The following podcast may be unsuitable for children or more sensitive listeners and may contain explicit language. Hey, you're listening to It's All True. I'm your host, Tim Barnes, and in each episode, I chat with a guest and ask them to reveal a newspaper-style headline for a funny, personal, true story. This is part two of my final It's All True reporting in Chicago. I first came out here, I had all these bright dreams of being the black Ira Glass and the black Larry David, and then quickly in Chicago, I just need to figure out how to be a black person first. I talked to comedian and activist Arsh Singh. Activism came for me first. Uh, in some ways, I, I kind of feel that I, I removed myself from it, and, and now recently with what's gone on, I've kind of brought myself back to it. And singer-songwriter Natalie Grace Alford. I get it all the time. I get it all the time. I get to hear the most beautiful racist shit in the world and then drop it. And I love to see the reaction. Arsh talks about his interruption of a Trump rally. I went and uh, protested Donald Trump uh, in Muscatine, Iowa. Natalie talks about the logic behind her music. If you aren't completely hating yourself after you listen to yourself, record it. And it was a really fun time. So let's get started. Here's Arsh Singh performing at the show. Hey everybody, you guys uh, all excited for this election? Yeah. That's, a, that's a lot of... Are you guys all excited for this election to be over? Yeah. Yeah. Are you, who's excited for this election to be a do-over? Is any, anything, uh, uh, who's excited for uh, the coming race war after the election? It's, it's, uh, that's, that is how I personally connect with the uh, Make America Great slogan. Uh, I want to go back in time in American history, uh, when you could talk about the coming race war sarcastically. I would like to... That is one of my high points in American history for myself. Uh, Yeah, uh, there's a lot going on these days, and it's uh, discouraging. There's myths being put out by the right about how Barack and Hillary are soft on terrorism, that they can't be tough. Uh, And this is just absurd. I mean, that doesn't match the record at all. They've both been consistently very tough. Uh, They've both supported drone strikes that have gone out and killed terrorists, right? They've supported that and they've been behind it. And those drone strikes have gone and killed terrorists and also hundreds uh, of uh, innocent people of all walks of life. Um, Men, women, children, uh, Somali children, Yemeni children, Pakistani children, uh, People fleeing from weddings. That, that is very tough on terrorism. I, 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 that's incredibly tough, guys. That's um, perhaps uh, violating the Geneva Conventions tough on terrorism. Uh, this, this, uh, d- is this a pro-Geneva Conventions crowd? Or is it, is it not? A, uh, uh, feel how you want about that. That's fine. I, I understand. There may be maybe a little more controversial than I thought, the Geneva Conventions. Um, yeah, obviously I think Trump is worse, but I do think you have to look at Trump's perspective to really understand why he is worse, right? He's all about America first. That's his whole idea, that we should look at what we're doing internationally and think about how we can refocus here in our own country, right? We're attacking all these brown people abroad. How can we start doing a little bit of that here at home? Right? That is, that's uh, the America first perspective there. Uh, and he... Uh, he has made clear that there are people in the U.S. who are willing to do that job. Um, if you've been watching the news, they've 
again, who is uh, ready for an election do-over? Is there? Well, that's, a, that's how I'm feeling right now. This, uh, this threat of violence, this perhaps coming race war, there was a, a taste of that maybe this uh, fall and this winter. I'm a Sikh by background. Um, you, if you're curious about the turban, Sikhs have been in the news. We were in the news a lot this winter. We were in the news because of these Islamophobic uh, hate crimes, right? Hate crimes committed by Islamophobic bigots. Um, Islamophobic bigots have become very disappointed when they find out uh, we, in fact, do not practice Islam. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a letdown. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's embarrassing. It is. Uh, I, I understand... I understand that. I, you know, I, you kind of, you have to, to really look at these problems. You have to understand those people. And, I, you know, I'm willing to reach out and put my hand on one of those guys' shoulders and be like, hey, man, Muslim sick, don't miss the forest for the trees. You're still a complete piece of shit, right? I mean, you, you did what you set out to do. Right? You, you, you achieved your goal. You, you did it. Um, yeah, this is, a, this is a problem that uh, Sikhs have been facing uh, a lot this last year, um, but it's been an issue since 9-11 and uh, even earlier than that. Um, it's a difficult situation because we, we try to put a lot of money into education campaigns to explain the turban, uh, but there's still a lot of confusion. That's this have something to do with terrorism? No, it has nothing whatsoever to do with any kind of radical religious terrorism. Uh, but there's this perception. I think that perception does break down in a certain way. Uh, and I, I think it's helpful to understand that. 10% of that, I think, was Bin Laden wearing a turban, right? Uh, when he had those videos that he was putting out. Uh, 90% of that, I believe, is uh, Jeff Dunham. Uh, I think that's, that's how that breaks down. That's, that's the most ubiquitous image of a turban in pop culture uh, here in the U.S., and I, I find it stunning that uh, he can go on and do this kind of thing. Now, it'd be one thing if he was actually making fun of terrorists. It's just more making fun of this character of Middle Eastern people, of South Asian people, making fun of curry, fun of ghosts, just very, like, basic kind of humor. And for me, what I find even a greater irony is that uh, there has been terrorism that's going on against people who wear turbans in this country. There was a, an attack in 2012 by a white supremacist uh, in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. Um, he, there's a man came in and he uh, shot six people in a Gurdwara. Uh, and we also had this attack by Dylan Roof um, this last summer. And I, I just find it... Uh, ISIS is, is a real threat. People should take it seriously. But to not want to take on terrorism completely, I find ridiculous. Um, and as a comedian, I feel it's my responsibility to offer a wider perspective. So I, I'd like to do some ventriloquism for you now, dealing with a, a broader range of terrorist threats in the U.S. And uh, I have a friend here to help me with that. So I'd like to introduce you to my friend here. Uh, this, is the, this is Bob, uh, the take... Taken alive into custody terrorist, this, this uh, and he is a uh, a neo-Nazi, as you can tell by his little suspenders. Um, Bob, I'm going to let you take it away. All right, brothers and sisters, we got to get ready for this coming race war. Brothers and sisters, I want to see the blood of the mud races filling the streets. Are you with me, people? Okay. Uh. <laughs> Uh, that didn't quite go over how I was hoping. Um, uh, and I, I think I do understand the problem here. Um, you guys can see my lips moving. Right? So that's, 
a little bit of egg on my face. I don't have the decades of experience with ventriloquism that Jeff Dunham has. Um, but let me see if I can uh, kind of fix this a little bit. Guys, I know this is a complicated bit. <laughs> I know there's a lot going on here. Terrorism, white supremacy, suspenders. But there's one thing I want to leave you here with tonight. I want you to take this question and reflect on it when you go home tonight. Why the hell is ventriloquism still a thing? <laughs> it is 2016. You all have HDTVs. All right? You can all see those lips moving. It doesn't matter how good the guy is. All right? It is ridiculous that someone can take the most inane ethnic jokes and recycle them with a few goofy, cute puppets and just make millions out there. Make millions when you've got people all over this city, all over the country doing comedy for nothing or next to nothing. Guys, in 2016, ventriloquism is nothing less than terrorism. It is terrorism on comedy. And it needs to stop. I think you make a really good point. Uh, okay, I, I, I do want to let uh, Bob here have his, his last say, all right? Bob, what do you want to tell the people? What message do you want to leave people with here? Guys, I think you are all brainwashed by the media. I think you're all controlled by the media. Guys, I think you are all puppets of the liberal media. You're all puppets! You're the puppets! <laughs> oh, Bob, I don't think you know how the media works or how puppetry works, all right? <laughs> Shut up, you towelhead! Whoa. Uh, I don't know if you all heard that, but uh, Bob just called me a, a towelhead. Uh, and that's really messed up because, as I just explained, ventriloquism is complete bullshit. That's me talking. Right? That's some deep, deep levels of racism going on, all right? There's a lot of work to be done. But thank you very much. Do you want to talk about the thing oh, sure. that happened yeah, between sure. you and uh, Donald Trump? Yeah, I went and uh, protested Donald Trump uh, in Muscatine, Iowa, uh, with the uh, Another Chicago comedian, uh, Taylor Williams. He's from that uh, town in Iowa. Uh, I used to live in Iowa City, Iowa. And uh, I actually, in the summer, I'd gone to one of the first rallies Trump held. And I kind of took it as a joke. I think that was kind of the attitude. But I, I'd been following how it was growing. And I felt I shouldn't have been just been watching that like voyeuristically. You know, yeah. I, think, I think it hit for me a little bit earlier for, than other people that this guy was really doing something pretty menacing, something pretty intense with uh, the kind of uh, bigotry he was bringing yeah. across. Was it was... the same vibe at both 
rallies that you went to? No, it was a lot more intense at this, this one that I went to, uh, I think, near February, the mm. early February. What, what do you think were some of the changes that had happened in those few months? Well, I mean, we did have those terrorist attacks in Paris and also San Bernardino, and I don't think he cares about terrorism at all other than how he can use it to market himself. I think that's really what he's doing. Mm. He made the statement about the Muslim ban, the um, uh, registry, the database of, on Muslims as well. One thing I found really stunning was his statement that there were thousands and thousands of Muslims cheering on 9-11. I think that was something that really uh, stuck with me. And the fact that it didn't actually get re- uh, addressed in the media in a serious way. If you look at it now, even, it's a, it's a question of, uh, you know, this is a lie or a conspiracy that's an accusation against thousands and thousands of Americans. And that we're kind of at that state is, is ridiculous. And it's also a statement he made when hate crimes were spiking in this country against yeah. Muslims or you know, people who, who appear like Muslims or people who are supposed to fit the stereotype uh, of the enemy in a yeah. bigot's mind. You know? And that, uh, that was incredible to me, that that statement could be made. And it just kind of got lost in the sort of horse race coverage. Yeah. So I'm scrolling through Facebook one day just looking for the funniest fart jokes. And then I see that like, you're in the news. Yeah, that was... Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I never thought it would, that would happen. Like that's, I was an activist in college a lot, uh, I, especially during the Iraq War. That was a time of activism for me. Um, and I've, I've been to a lot of protests. I, I never imagined that it would catch on in that kind of mm. way. And it was kind of a useful thing to kind of go to the media and draw these kind of concerns out. I think, uh, I think there's been some issues with the protests uh, toward the end of primaries are getting violent. I, I don't... I don't think that's useful at all. Uh, I, I don't condone it, but I also don't think it, it advances the cause at all. But as this spread, these protests, I think what it really drew out was a lot of uh, the extremist element that was there uh, that wasn't really getting a lot of coverage. There was a New Yorker article that I read um, uh, before I went and protested that was about uh, these, these white supremacists uh, who were organizing around Trump. And, uh, it, it, you know, it, that's a fringe movement there's not a whole lot of people there, but there's a kind of activity that's kind of crazy. And as I mentioned, you know, there was a white supremacist attack on a, a Sikh temple uh, not too many years ago. We had this Dylan Roof. I, I just find it incredible that you wouldn't denounce that kind of thing. And when uh, before I did that protest in Iowa, they were doing these uh, robocall uh, messages. Uh, a white supremacist was doing this uh, and saying to vote for Trump. Uh, we don't need more uh, educated... Oh, we, we don't need more Muslims in this country. We need more uh, educated white people, right? Um, wow. It's, uh, yeah. If anything, we need less educated white people, first of all. <laughs> yeah. yeah I think education is the worst thing to ever happen <laughs> I, to white people. I think people. it's pretty tough. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> um, what came first yeah. for you, activism or stand-up, or did it kind of happen at the same time? Uh, activism came for me first. Uh, in some ways, I, I kind of feel that I, I removed myself from it, and, and now recently with what's gone on, I've kind of brought myself back to it um but yeah I, I in college that was a very important thing for me and then afterwards it's just it's kind of amazing to me i think what happened with the iraq war was a i think a big extent a failure of the media because i don't think enough scrutiny was put on government sources about uh, what we were going after thank you for smattering applause um not like we can reverse it now, I guess. It's not. Um, but, uh, you can't reverse but racism. You see, yeah, yeah, you can't now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But now we have a situation again that's it's very media centric that this is going on. You can't like Donald Trump is not a genius in any sense. It's just that you can't the way things are set up, you have to have this sort of superficial impartiality. And if he stonewalls you on answers, you have to use all your time questioning him. Yeah. And that's just not how the media is set up. And I He's, like, he's, really just, he's the white guy who gets the job because he has the ability to keep talking, basically. Basically, yeah. I mean, it is crazy. It's like a con man. <laughs> it's just like, it's like the, the worst grift you could have, basically. <laughs> um, but the way things are set up, everybody like, can't do anything about it. They can't really... I mean, now you're seeing a little bit of that. There's some... Uh, I think there was a CNN thing where they actually fact-checked him live as he was talking about that judge. Uh, he was accusing him of being biased because of his Mexican heritage. And uh, that, that should be great. I, um, I, some people argue then, like, well, we have to do that for everybody. And then, like, let's do that for everybody. Let's do that every election. Let's not be, a, you know, a, a PR system for candidates. Let's have scrutiny. Do you think politics truly fuels the comedy that you do? Before this was going on, I, I like a lot of experimental comedy. I like a lot of absurdist stuff. That's kind of where I'm at. But I, I think being Indian in this country and... Uh, living through 9-11 and seeing what's happened, the, the fact that he made that statement about Jersey City, New Jersey, Muslims cheering there, I, you know, I remember the kind of violence that was going on in New York in these things, the kind of hate crimes after September 11th. Uh, in Jersey City, New Jersey, that's kind of like a center point for South Asians. We had issues before 9-11. We had this group called uh, the Dot Busters in the 80s. This is something my older kind of relatives would tell me about as a kid. There was, uh, again, an issue of uh, an aggrieved white working class. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were attacks on people who were perceived to be Hindus. Uh, The Dot had name. That's where that comes from. What they're getting at is uh, there were a lot of uh, uh, Hindu-run stores that were there, and people were angry. There was resentment. And there, there was actually a manifesto published by these guys in the Jersey City Journal. There was a man who was a doctor who was, uh, he was beaten so badly he couldn't finish his medical training. That's why he was there in Jersey City. To be Indian and not know those things, like uh, I'm a little hostile to sometimes towards other Indian people, and uh, I feel like there's some there's a little bit too many uh, Gucci Prada Indians out there. I'll put it okay. to that. All right. Some people who are just trying to uh, they don't really know about their history in this country and. And uh, I don't want to disconnect myself from that, you know. Okay. Like I, I think that kind of ambivalence uh, makes me. I'm, I'm I'm rambling a little bit here, but <laughs> I, I do feel intensely about this stuff. So let's transition into uh, the story that you want to tell tonight. Sure, sure. Uh, do you have a head? You have a headline for the story? Uh, the headline I have is uh, Trump protester hawks merch man's mixtape. I'll call it like that. <laughs> Do you know how many Latinos work for me? Do you know how many Hispanics are working for me? Okay. I'm trying to figure out which person you... You're the Trump protester. I am the Trump protester. This actually happened after everything went down with that protest. Uh, He wasn't wearing one of those hats, was he? Was he wearing one of those? I stuck around in Iowa City, which is not too far from Muscatine. Uh, and I was helping out uh, with this other protest they were doing there, which was actually, I think it was great. They, they used whistles. They snuck in whistles, and every time there was a statement that he would make that was annoying they, uh, or that they, you know, <laughs> that they protested, they would blow whistles. Um, imagine if you could do that in the media. That but is really, like that, like, <laughs> that clown sound whistle. That's what I'm imagining. That would it's be just a great. Like, okay. it was, a sad trombone would yeah, have been wonderful. Yeah. That would have been, been great. I'm not saying they're stupid. I like China. I just sold an apartment for $15 million to somebody from China. And Trump did get enraged by this. He was like, lost his 
He lost his shit completely. He was yelling, uh, you know, like, you know, can I rip these uh, whistles out of their mouths and things like that. So, Get him out. Get him out. Get him out. That was quick. That was quick. Uh, I, I didn't go in and do that. I, I just wanted to be there to support, and I was outside, and there was a lot of protesters outside who are very angry and there's a lot of rage and I think this is part of the the thing that happens is you want to see some confrontation but you can't actually reach the person you want to confront and so you kind of take the rage out on these these pro, the, the supporters huh. of Trump and that's just not always productive it, it, it just is a lot of aggression and I was seeing you know I've seen people yell like you know, like, I'm an anarchist. And then the, the supporters of Trump were going like, I don't care. You know, it was just, it was a, lot of, just a, a lot of meaningless aggression. And I was, and I didn't want to direct anybody or like tell them, you know, do something different. Like, I, uh, but then a, a girl did come over to me and was like, do you want to help us lead any chance? And I was like, yes, very much so. Because I, I want to direct everybody and tell them what to do because this is horrible and it's not working <laughs> at all. Um, and... Uh, uh, Woody Guthrie was on my mind a lot at this time. Uh, As usual. Yeah, yeah, usually, very much so. Well, it, it's interesting because I, I sometimes, you know, talking about being a Sikh in this country, I, I bring up Woody Guthrie because he was born the same year uh, the first uh, Gurdwara was made in the U.S., 1912, right? So, like... As a, as a group of people, we're that American, you know. That's huh. that's how the man who wrote the song "This Is Your Land." That's us, you know. Like that, we're in that same time frame. So I, you know, and and also uh, tr- apparently uh, Woody Guthrie had written a song about Donald Trump's father. He actually lived in one of these apartments. Oh, I read about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so like that that song. His I, father so, wasn't a great guy. No, he's yeah. he was extremely racist. Actually. Yeah. That's the most of the song was Woody Guthrie just going like. Damn, the studio's racist. It's just a lot of riffs on that. Just um, very repetitive. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, so I, I, I was trying. I uh, we got that. We got people singing that, and it was actually that was the kind of dynamic I thought worked well because you're kind of. I think it helps to shame people. You know, this is a kind of a protest. If you want to make these points, uh, I think it helps to. You know, if you look at the civil rights protests, like a lot of that was about shaming bigotry, about how how it's how ridiculous it is that it's more dignified to be on this side. And uh, so we did that, and it was, I was, was impressed. What happened was there was the merch guy who kept coming over, uh, and he kept yelling, bomb the shit out of ISIS. I got bomb the shit out of ISIS buttons, right? That's what he was yelling about, because he's got these buttons to sell. But he was also doing it in a way that was very intentional to dissipate the singing. It also and, sounds like he thinks ISIS is a place. Yes, that yeah. is, yeah, yeah. But that is a true... Land land. <laughs> that would make things much easier, actually, if <laughs> right? ISIS was a place. <laughs> That should be our next policy. Make ISIS a place, <laughs> then bomb. That's maybe what's been going wrong. Yeah. Right? That's, uh, this land that's what's been going wrong. Um, I do, I, I will admit, I sometimes have anger, temper problems, and sometimes when it's like someone's coming at me, I, I feel like I have to go back at that. But I don't want to be violent. You know, That's not something I was looking for, but I feel like I, I have to respond. So what I did is this man's holding this big sign, and he's selling his button and he's going bomb the shit out of ISIS uh, Hillary for prison he's yelling it he's going back and forth down the line for the people entering I came up behind him I was about two feet behind him and I kept going yo buy my man's mixtape right here buy my man's mixtape get Hillary for prison get bomb the shit out of ISIS get the be- he's got the best you want to go after the Taliban get the dips at Taliban that's what uh. I got right here and I just I was like two feet behind him the whole way, I was just going back down and forth the line, and um, 
he didn't know what to do. He was very confused. <laughs> uh, and it just kept going like that. But as I was going down, like there were all these people who were there, there, a lot of them were college students, and they were like getting what I was doing, and they were getting the references I was making. Um, and I tried to recruit more people to help me, like basically make it seem that we were selling mixtapes, yeah. basically. And uh, it was it was sort of like a like a sketch comedy protest is what emerged from that. And do you feel like your your anger comes out through comedy? A little bit, yeah. yeah. I, actually. Uh, Trump made some statements about me uh, that he, uh, he said, uh, is he wearing one of those hats, right? And some people were like, is that about his turban? Or was it about one of these uh, Make America Great hats? Ah. And what I've done is uh, I have that recorded, and I've kind of built a whole comedy show about that. <laughs> and I've gone to go raise money for sort of causes that are opposed to hate crimes. Um, and I've, I've built a show out of that. And I think that's, like, I think that's sort of the best way to go at it, because... I know, obviously he doesn't know about this, but the idea that I'm using his sound clip and he's not getting a cut of any of that money, that is like, that is the revenge uh, that you can have on Trump. That is... um, That's beautiful. Is there any way people can find out about this show or these these shows Uh, you're doing? You can follow me on Twitter. It's uh, Arish-ish, A-R-I-S-H-I-S-H. And uh, I've been doing some of these. I I hope to do more. Uh, But I hope even more that uh, this guy drops out and we have some kind of... uh, I hope we don't have this race war, actually. That's mostly what I'm... I, I, I say that half-jokingly, but uh, it's not really just about this election. There's, there's been a lot of people who are revved up, and I think what comes after this uh, could be very uh, unfortunate. We don't have these kind of politics. My, my relatives and my Sikh relatives who are in, uh, in Britain... Uh, they had to deal with people like the British National Front and uh, this basically a anti-immigrant fascist party and... That stuff is really ugly, it's, and it's, it could happen here, and I don't want to see that. So. Well, give it up for Arish. Thank you for coming out. So glad I could have you on. Natalie Grace Alford is a talented singer-songwriter. She has a new EP out called Type of Wound, which you can find now on Bandcamp. Before we get to the chat, let's take a listen. Doe, doe, oh, we are ready. Okay. So, yeah, and um, let me just sing a song for you. It's going to come out on my EP. And it's nice and quiet, so I will do it acoustic. Silly things that you do And I don't know why I ain't okay I don't know what I'm wrong to tell me When do you think about me And I don't know why I ain't okay I don't know what I'm wrong to tell me Why do you lie to me Cause you're too 
big to fail You should be in jail And no we gonna give you that You just lost a trail That was Too Big to Fail off of Natalie Grace Alford's new EP called Type of Wound. You can download more tracks at nataliegracealford1.bandcamp.com. How do you go about... I mean, it seems like mathematics is involved with the Oh, music. my God. No, it's mathematics. It's not only shows will book you. It's mathematics for 20 emails for uh, one uh, no and 100 emails yeah. for one yes. It's timing out the goddamn dates that you always forget. It's, um, yeah, all yeah. that shit. And then being like, okay, I got $200 to stretch for an entire tour. But I'm this talk- is gonna be great. I'm talking about the creation of, of your music. Even of my that, mu- oh my okay. god, yeah. and more. I don't even want to talk about like how much it's like. You know, uh, just okay. Well, I constantly need money, and uh-huh. I cannot do a GoFundMe every. I- I'm two not weeks. talking about money though. I'm oh, talking wait, about the cre- like the creation, oh, the like cr- the composition oh. of the song. Oh, that that doesn't take as much. Time. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I was like going off on money. You're like, no, no, no. How long does it take? <laughs> that, 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 that's that shit. So you just, you just you walk into the room, you have these... these. Most of the time, the way that you write a song, um, sometimes you hear it and then you'll record it. And then uh, what I like to do, especially with this, write a song, record it, listen it to the next day. If you aren't completely hating yourself after mm. you listen to yourself, record it. Then you gotta yeah. listen to that after you record it. And then if you don't hate yourself even more after that, you're like, no, I can put that on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've noticed you've been doing a lot of video blogging. Yeah. What inspired the decision to start doing that? There was a rape victim advocates, uh, a lot of my friends work there, and they, the state budget of Illinois was not passed, and yet again, it wasn't passed, so it's great for social services, including RVA, right? So they had a huge um, you know, fundraiser that needed to be done, and I was like, well, I, I wanted to talk about history and uh, you know, intersectional feminism, and like, hey, this is what it's like being a mulatto and white passing, uh, you know, or just like history stuff that I'd like to read. So I decided to start it and it took off, and not even like took off. It's just unusual that people want to hear me rant while I drink a beer of stuff I read <laughs> in a history book. But that's what I did, and some people fucking hate it. And I noticed after, and I had Irish come, and we talked about uh, politics. After that, thank you, Irish, for all the Donald Trump fucking supporters on my goddamn page. <laughs> It was very yeah. fun. It was like, oh, yeah, I do white pass. Damn it. Yeah. I gave that Let's up. Let's talk about uh, I gave uh, that white. Up. Yeah, yeah. 
white passing. I, I don't pass as white, but I, do, I have this sort of... The hazel uh, eyes. The hazel eyes. Mm-hmm. And so if I stand still... <laughs> and silent in a break room situation... Like, I, I get a glimpse of what white people are really talking about, you yeah. know, sometimes. Oh, I get it. See... I get it all the time. I get it all the time. I get to hear the most beautiful racist shit in the world and then drop it. And I love to see the reaction um, because, you know, either it's like, oh, my God. And then that, but then there's the other, like, white liberal reaction of like, oh, well, you know, that's so amazing. I wondered why you were beautiful. Oh, I wonder why can I touch it? I think we're one love, one world, one humanity. Yeah. Or you have the people that just stick by the goddamn statement. <laughs> I or, said what I said. Yeah, or, yeah. And then there's another one of then like, oh, so you must like hot sauce. <laughs> like, <laughs> or it's all the questions. They of go all to the, the yeah. wait, wait. So you got scholarships in college? Yeah, like that yeah. shit. Uh, no. It's like amazing. I do people it. in your family forget? Like, do other people in your family? You know? My sister. My sister oh. looks even like I, I. I look white, but my sister looks white, white, right? She was born with like straight hair. She sunburns. Okay. Okay. That's the big. Yeah. That's the big thing of like if you know people say it, but um, she'll sometimes forget. Um, like literally we w- had a dinner recently and we were, you know, just discussing shit and I've been getting more involved in activism and I just mentioned something about, well, you know, sometimes uh, a lot of black people are, uh, targeted to, you know, bibbidi bobbidi boo. I mentioned something <laughs> about, you know, a lot of children being thing. My sister noticed that there was a black family next to us. And I was like, Natalie, you can't say that. You can't say black. Don't say black next to them. And I was like, Emily, you're fucking black. What the fuck's wrong with you? They don't... They see our white mother's 5'4", and then an afro girl that we don't yeah. look anything like her. Like, But regardless of whatever, like, yeah. So she sometimes... Gets, she gets confused. Do these sort of worlds you get to step into or like witness every single day, does that influence your music in any way? Does that kind of... Well, I was trained in music for a while, so I think all that my music is is processing what uh, I have to deal with. The same way, um, you know, uh, talking about stories, talking about comedy, right? You're just trying to process what you think might be ridiculous, might be unusual, or sometimes you're just writing a song in order to make uh, a couple words that you wanted to sound good with music. (laughs) I mean, sometimes it's about lyrics, but sometimes it's about um, musical quality. Sometimes it meshes into both. Yeah, I have jokes where it's just like, I just want to put this word in something. Yeah, Yeah. sometimes, you know? (laughs) Uh, I I don't know, yeah. Do you have a story that you'd like to tell? Ooh, yes. Yeah, I'm very, I'm I'm curious to know what your headline is. Headline? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. White girl almost kills her college mulatto roommate. Question mark. You're the you're the mulatto in this I case. I am the mulatto. All right. All right. Okay. All right. So let's get into it. So I went to uh, Carthage College in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and I got scholarships for my fucking grades. <laughs> and, for, and for tall girl, I applied for tall girl scholarship. I got one. <laughs> And I had this friend, we're going to call her uh, Casey, okay? So, and that is a real name, but she's never going to listen to this. So, (laughs) 
this was like 2005, 2006 year, right? And she was like my girl who introduced me to like, Natalie, you know that you can smoke weed. And that, you know, you have that friend in college that introduces you to the, like, you know, go ahead, have some weed, go have a drink. So one day she invites me out to the rave. And this is in Wisconsin. The rave. The okay. rave. There's one rave. You know that, yeah. uh, co- that concert venue. One um, rave to rule them all. Yeah, apparently one rave. <laughs> but it's uh, in Milwaukee. So she's like, hey, Natalie, do you want to just go out at fun time, see a show? And I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, I want to get off fucking Carthage College campus. Yeah, let's go. So I get into the car, and Casey has a Jack Daniels bottle, like, you know, right here, right here. And then I didn't notice that um, Steve Lunardi and a guy who called himself Juice Juice is 18-year-old from Naperville. Ah. White with, like, goddamn two little shaved things. So, okay, so this guy's calling himself Juice. He's yeah, probably it's not a name Brian. that he got. He no. definitely named himself So I'm going to call him Brian Juice through the story because that's oh. probably his fucking name. <laughs> so Steve Lunardi is with Casey with the bottle. And she's like, oh, hey. Oh, hey, we're going. Yeah, let's go. Jack, Jack, Jack. So we drive there, and she's taking shots all the time. Like, Casey, are you fucked? Because I've never been in, like, the car with not only a drunk driver, but somebody actively getting themselves drunk (laughs) while driving. And, of course, she's like, no, don't worry about Nelly. Just have a fucking shot. It's a bar. So I do. So we get to the rave, okay? And so Steve Lunardi, little did I know that he had a whole intention of selling cocaine at the rave. Whole intention. This but isn't Juice. This is this is Steve. This Steve. is Steve. Yeah. Juice is his little butt buddy okay. friend. Just making sure I got yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Or follower, you know, like he just it was amazing. So Steve um, and Casey go and do cocaine in the boys' bathroom. And surprisingly, the security found them because they invited three other people in the stall. Okay. So I see Casey's little fucking ass getting thrown out with Steve Lunardi. And of course, Steve's like, no, no, man, no, what the fuck? And I I already know. Okay. So Juice is in um, the concert venue and he's dancing. And I'm like, dude, Juice, like... Brian Juice. Juice, we need to find Casey because Casey has the keys to the car. She's our ride. She's, she is the only way that we're going to get back, okay? You, you've smoked weed. Oh, yeah. Okay. But at that point, you know, even when you're high and drunk and you realize my fucking ride's gone, you get like into business. I could have been <laughs> on a CIA mission if it was like your ride is gone. <laughs> So I have to convince fucking Juice to stop trying to hit on, like, another girl or whatever. And I'm like, no, we have to fucking find them, okay? Can you give me your phone? And he was like, dude, my battery is only 10, 10%. And he tries to still talk because he was talking like that, you know? <laughs> so I'm dealing with this kid who's just, like, not going to, like, break down his barriers of I am Juice. So I'm like, okay, okay. But we need to use your phone to try to contact our only rights. Of course, go straight to voicemail. Of course, go straight to voicemail. So we get to the car, and I'm like, I have no idea what we're going to do. And then whose asses do I see wandering down with a six-foot-four man, and they were smoking crack? 
Missy and Steve Lunardi. And then I met B, the man that they were walking with. And B comes up to me and then literally like kisses me right here. Like kisses me. Like misses your mouth almost. Misses the mouth. And my face is like, <laughs> like I'm 20 years old, I never, and, and then he was like, "Don't worry, baby, I didn't kiss you on the lips." <laughs> and then I hear Casey's crack voice, like, "See, now I didn't try to kiss you on the lips." <laughs> like she starts laughing at me, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" And of course, she locks her cars, like keys in the car. This is what she does: drunk ass crack. Hi, Casey is like, no, 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 we just gotta break into it. B, do it, do it. <laughs> and B's like, no, don't worry, I got it. And he just starts like getting branches off the side of the road and like breaking into the car. And I'm like, well, okay, luckily B knows how to break into cars. <laughs> After B breaks in the car, I'm like, okay, finally, we're gonna go, we're gonna go home. I'm gonna just smoke a spliff and take an Adderall and write that essay, you know? And, but that, that's not what happened. What happened was, all of a sudden, we're going to the north of Milwaukee. And for those of you who don't know about Milwaukee, north of Milwaukee is kind of like south side of Chicago. So imagine, if you will, a wannabe juice, Brian Juice, uh-uh. Steve Lunardi, a goddamn motherfucking Italian from Cicero, <laughs> and Casey, uh, you know, uh, and Steve and Casey are high on crack. Hi. So, all of a sudden, we're driving to the north of Milwaukee, and I was like, Casey, this isn't towards Carthage. This isn't towards Kenosha, Wisconsin. She's like, we just have to stop up somewhere. B's taking us somewhere. And I'm like, oh, God, no. And then, all of a sudden, like, B's like, no, so we're going to go, like, up there. And then all of a sudden, Casey just starts arguing with this grown man. Like, she's five foot five. She's 120 pounds. And it sounded like she was a mother from New York who got into prison, <laughs> who's, like, trying to regulate the, like, you know what, B? You know the fuck <laughs> what? You're going to give us the goddamn directions, okay? We got the money. You know what? I don't need to hear your shit tonight. You know, and I'm like, Casey, don't do this right now. So we finally get to the drug dealers. And Steve and Juice go out with B. So I'm yelling at Casey, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, we have a whole, like, argument. And it's really a stupid idea to argue with anybody on amphetamines and Jack Daniels and crack. Really bad idea, because it's just going to, like, you know. So, then I see a really bad sight, because I see B fucking pointing his finger at Steve Lunardi and Brian Juice as they're, like, running out. He's like, what the fuck? I can see, like, I can see his mouth mad. So they get back in the car, and Casey's like, what was the problem? (laughs) And he was like, man, they just tried to Try to pay and fucking change. And I was like, what What do you mean, Steve? And he's like, dude, I didn't know quarters were too big for them. I didn't know quarters. He brought a roll of quarters to buy crack. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, uh, at this point, rethink uh, your circle of friends at all? I was still friends with Casey after that. <laughs> but... 
but not Steve and Juice. Because, okay, no, I did fuck Steve after this, but that's not the point. <laughs> Ho is not a phase, Ho is a way of life. But, okay, so I was like, okay, okay that is the stupidest fucking thing we've ever done. Let's go get cash, okay? I was like, I, we'll go to ATM. I will get you 20 bucks in cash, okay? Because these are morons. I was telling B, these are morons. I'm so sorry you have to deal with these morons. And Steve and Juice are like, what? And I'm like, shut the fuck up right now! Because we're in the north of Milwaukee, 3 a.m., nowhere to go. So B takes, okay, go and pull to this place. And there's a group of five people. He goes, and he's starting to talk. And it's, like, taking a long time to talk. And then this one woman comes up to the car, opens the door, and looks at me and says, you guys better get right the fuck out of here because you going to get raped and they going to get their asses beaten now. That. She said that. And Steve and Juice are in there. So I was like, thank you for letting us know. So I'm like, Casey, I don't care how drunk you are. Hit another crack thing. <laughs> I said, hit another, hit another crack, crack thing. thing. <laughs> and then I turned out and I'm like, Steve, just get the fuck in the motherfucking car right now. And so they get in. They actually had accidentally grabbed B's backpack. Yeah. So we thought we were in a shit ton of trouble. And so we're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And when we opened it, and Steve Lunardi opens it, and it's actually really funny because he's like, dude, all that was in here was a mustard packet, a bottle of Pert Plus, and salt and pepper, and goddamn toilet paper and a toothbrush. We stole this guy's life, guys. <laughs> And we did it. We were just laughing. So Tuesday, I don't know if they just wanted to fuck with us because of how stupid. Because I, I could not believe how stupid two people could be. Paying and change. Have you, has anybody ever tried to pay and change for drugs? No one. Yeah, see? Yeah, no one. Yeah. So that's the story. Yeah. That, was, that was beautiful. Wow. Well. <laughs> Thank you for uh, coming out. And that's the show. If you dug it, subscribe to It's All True in iTunes and leave a review and tell a friend. If you'd like to be more help, head on over to our Patreon page. Patreon is a service that helps make content better. For more info on this episode's guests, follow Arsh Singh on Twitter at Arish Ish and Natalie Grace Alford on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Natalie Grace Alford. Shout out to Ray Teresi for recording this live show, Rob Schulte for recording my voice at this very moment, and Freddie Nunez for creating this kick-ass theme. My Twitter handle is TimBarnes451, and you can follow the show at All True Podcast. This is Tim Barnes signing off saying, I believe in you.